Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. We will be here every week talking to small business owners about their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at plemonscpa.com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. This is the hustle and juggle and struggle of small business. Welcome. I am your host for today, Thalia Williams, and we have in the studio an amazing woman. Her name is Christian Reed Agba. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much, Thalia. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad to have you, girl, because you be just chopping it up, mixing it up here in the city of San Antonio. So tell us a little bit about you and your business. What's the name of your business? My business is Eku Public Relations. We have formerly Bethany East PR. So we're being, we've been in the city for 10 years. We do public relations, strategic communication, uh, PR for economic development organizations, municipal departments. We've worked with almost every city office um, in our 10 years. And uh, it's me and my husband, Uche. So we've been having a really good time being entrepreneurs. Wow, that is amazing. PR, you don't hear that often from our community at all. Why that particular service? Well, I've, I've always been a planner and an organizer. And I've always loved the business of being a middle person. I, I my family is all artists and they can draw and they can create and they can do these amazing things and I've always been like their curator so public relations was the most ideal industry for me as a person I feel like it's in my my DNA to create and plan and and organize and it's not the most glamorous side of PR I I know a lot of girls in beauty and fashion PR but I'm in municipal and economic development so I I've always loved being an urbanist Coming from Detroit, it's been my thing. Yes, Detroit love. <laughs> it's been my thing to watch the city grow and watch the, uh, developments happen. Uh, so when I said, when I landed in San Antonio, I was going to become what I really felt like was calling me. And that was a public relations professional. Nice, nice, because that's definitely a niche market. That's not something you hear. Like you said, PR is normally beauty or something else. It's mm-hmm. not municipalities. Fascinating. So what have been some of the challenges you've had in running your business? And I'm not going to talk about some of them because I haven't seen some of them. But I want you <laughs> to talk about them. I talk about them a lot. I now, I, I'm usually on Twitter or Instagram talking about some of the issues I've had uh, Echo is, I don't think we're that the only black-owned PR firm anymore. I actually got wind that there may be one or two more popping up. Uh, we've been preaching that we are the only full-service black-owned PR firm in the city for some years now. And we've had that be our main struggle was being a black-owned business but not providing a business for solely black clients. Uh, we've been able to be welcomed into a lot of different boardrooms and a lot of different decision makers rooms so that we can help to identify with black audiences. But our business uh, really put up a front, uh, not a front, but we really set up a stronghold competing with the mainstream public relations businesses. Uh, so our main obstacle has always been preaching that we can compete. 
Mm. And that's interesting, too, because usually if you're in that space, you're an automatic competitor or you have competitors. But to even have to say we are truly competing with mainstream, that's definitely a challenge. It was a challenge. And we've done some really crazy things to enforce that. I'm sure. (laughs) We got rid of our minority certifications a couple of years ago. Wow. And effort. Well, we didn't get rid of them. We, we didn't renew the minority certifications because we didn't find that it gave us a lot of uh, capabilities, immediate capabilities or capacity to handle 100% of a project, especially if you're in contracting. I'm pretty sure most of your listeners are in contracting, uh, especially if you are doing contracts and you're going through the minority certification process. It became a really, a really big struggle to to prove that we were we had the capacity to manage even 40 percent, even 50 percent when we were utilize, utilizing our certifications to gain access to contracts. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting because they preach and they're going to be on our show in the future. And I love, no, no, you know, no issues there. That I think that there's some places where we need to converse with other decision makers in other rooms because the program did, does have its amazing benefits. It's, I don't think it's defined well across departments though. Okay. All right. And that makes sense because some people have the interpretation of it this way. Others have an interpretation of this way. Mm -hmm. So the clarity Mm -hmm. of it needs to be really defined so that everyone across the board is playing on a level field. Exactly. And I came from purchasing. Okay. So before I moved to San Antonio, I was a purchasing executive for Blue Cross for about six years. Mm. And I brought a lot of different commodities. And so that gave me my inside scoop to contracting into the minority certification process and uh, through in the procurement decision making process. And so I'm on the inside looking out and I'm on the outside looking in constantly. So it was our mini protest to give up the certifications. But at the same time, we're very much devoted to minority business advancement. In the city. Wow, that is amazing. So why do you persist? What drives you to keep going? What do you mean? We got to do this. This is is a job. (laughs) Well, for some people, you know, it's like, okay, I ran into enough roadblocks where it's like I done bumped my head enough and I don't want to go any further. Other folks are like, okay, this is just a hurdle for me to leap over. I'm not going to allow it to stop me. Mm -hmm. So for you, why do you and Uche persist? Wow. Okay, now it's a really great question, and I don't have an answer. For for us, it's the responsibility of the industry. Public relations is all about finding niche audiences and getting the messages the masses have to them. Public relations is about building funnels and pipelines of communication. And if we don't communicate uh our issues with systems created for us in our industry, how will our clients see us? How will, and our clients absolutely love us being disruptors in the industry. It actually, um, I don't know, it just makes them also very much happier. Yeah, all those creative <laughs> people that need yes. that assistance. Yes. yes. So we persist because it's, it's just what we have to do. Um, we are very active in our community, and we almost get called. Well, we don't almost get. We get called upon to do certain things and to be different leaders or be just in the space. I actually find that I love just being in the space. I don't like to lead the whole situation. I really don't. I really hate it. When I have to lead, it's like my worst fear ever. Being in the space is my favorite part. Having to 
jump up and shine. Oh, I'm so scared of it. But you do it so well when you do. Because I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And But now we're doing some things. We're doing some really cool things. We're mentoring. And we're letting our um, mentors do a lot of shining. A lot of shining. In the sense of we're letting people know who our mentors are, who our mentees are. Which is, I think, something kind of new. Um, we're letting people know who the people that we want to tap to do different things are. And we're openly and publicly endorsing next generation and next level entrepreneurs. And I feel that that's something that is different as well. So hopefully I don't have to do the jumping up anymore. Uh, Yeah, right. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> don't hold your breath, girl. Okay. But, you know, why, how is critical, how critical is support to you? How important is that for you? Oh, no. Support is not important. Not at all? Not at all. I, I don't like to say, oh, I'm going to go and support, or I want you to support my business. One, I don't walk into Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom and say, I'm about to go over there and support some Nordstrom. No, I want to. I want people to buy because they're aligned with it, because they like the products. I want people to invest because they love the investment and the opportunity and the experience to doing business with me or the things that I that I support or I not support, but the things that I push or promote. So I never want to say I need a lot of support or I want a lot of support. I want to speak and stand on my words. And provide our clients really, really good products. And if I can't provide the clients that I want really, really good products, I'm going to find a way to show them. And I think that's the way our business has always been molded. When we couldn't find investors in an event series, when we weren't tapped to do an event series, we turned around and did it ourselves to show the people that did not tap us that we were able to do it. And then the next year, we were able to get that project. Um, When we weren't able to align with any of the entrepreneurial uh, cohort programs, uh, we created our own. And we were able to manifest some really great marketing and advertising opportunities for 20 black entrepreneurs in San Antonio. So it's not about me requesting or requiring support. It's about creating places that can provide support. Um, And that is the kind of city that San Antonio, I think that is only a San Antonio thing. Mm. Um, That, you know, if you build it, they will support it. Uh, Instead, what is the pipeline for support? How do we make sure that uh, if we can hold our our own, we can bring some other people around and then they can hold their own and they can see that they can do them do whatever they want to do with them, themselves without support. Interesting angle. Interesting angle. I've in all the podcasts that I've done, you're the first one who said support isn't critical to you, which is interesting. I, I, it's a different angle. And it sure will probably resonate with some of our audience. Definitely. I mm-hmm. like that. So tell me, what is, tell me about a failure that you've learned from. I mean, you've been in business how long now? I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. Okay. I've been in business in San Antonio for 10 years. All right. So I'm sure in that time span, you've had a failure or two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just I pick like one. on Monday. Like, <laughs> what's this Wednesday I had one this morning no oh well one breaking the phone doesn't count it doesn't no okay you're right uh so I mean pivotal moments are often my failures just to say I don't fail I learn okay I it took me a while to figure out uh in the contracting space how to learn to let things go okay to say I can't do it or to say that's really not reasonable. In contracting, you got scope creep, 
We got, you know, over asking. We got underperforming. We got overselling. We got all kind of issues that we can have. But it was one particular issue um, with, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Brooks City Base. And I loved working with Brooks. They were so good to us. And we still, you know, we still uh, are cordial and we still hang out with Brooks family. Um, but there was a moment where we were managing some international relations between San Antonio and Lagos, Nigeria. We were supposed to take the whole crew, everybody from Brooks and maybe some folks from the city, to Lagos to go to this international investment summit. It was the same year that Ebola just decided to break out. I mean, Ebola came out like coronavirus, okay? It came out, it took over Africa. And and it was, the meetings got darker and darker. Well, we were persistent that it was going to be safe to go. And so we invited Brooks, or we didn't invite, we paid the fees. And Brooks paid the, paid us back or whatever, and, and then they canceled. And mm. in my mind, I was... Like, I immediately was, I remember thinking, I'm going to throw up. I don't have $25,000 to cover these fees and tickets. I don't know if I got to give it back. In my head, I had never gotten to that process. It was our first, it was our largest invoice. This was like seven years ago. $25,000 was our largest invoice at that moment. And uh, in my head, I was flipping. How am I going to get the money back? The lady in Nigeria ain't trying to give us the money back. And I go to the meeting, and I'm, always, I'm I think I was in tears in the car, and Uche made me like clean up. You know, you got this. You got five minutes to cry. That's his thing. You got five minutes to cry. I'm a cancer. I'm very emotional. You got five minutes, and and we gotta go in here, and we gotta you know give him the spill and tell him we'll pay him back. <laughs> Ouch! They didn't say anything about that money in that meeting. They didn't care about that money in that meeting. They asked us if okay, so what do we owe you all in that meeting? And Uche and I <laughs> shaking. <laughs> right not knowing what to do not know we hadn't had mentors at this moment we didn't know we had the amazing fairy godmother uh, uh sharon reyes who was walking us through this whole process and was giving us great ideas and things and we got back to the car he goes how what's going on i said i think we just realized that twenty five thousand dollars ain't no money yeah <laughs> yeah and in our minds we was I, we might have been on the bus the week prior, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was a failure. Or I thought it was a failure because we had paid the money. We couldn't get the money back. We we back and forth with these people in Nigeria. And my husband is Nigerian. So we was, like, really working hard to try to figure out how to make our client whole. Um, and they weren't even bothered. And it wasn't. At the end of the day, we learned a big lesson, and that was, Twenty five thousand to spit in the bucket. It's a spit in the bucket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they was like, we trying to raise two hundred million. Why would you think we'd be all mad about twenty five thousand? Perspective. Oh. Perspective. Perspective. And that's a serious failure that almost that really almost turned into a success for you all because it awakened you. Yeah. To some realities you didn't even know or possibilities. We didn't even know what part of the wheel we were a cog in. Mm. And that's what we kind of started paying attention to, and it turned our it turned our corners when we, you know, began changing our pricing and began our re- our uh, rebranding. Four years later, we began to really optimize the value of our work versus the value of the product that we were helping to promote for our clients. Right, so we 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 were short. 
we were short a lot, okay? Because mm. we were creating shadows and marketing footprints for brands across the globe and charging like a thousand dollars a month, girl. Ooh, crazy! Ouch. Yes, somebody had to pull us aside and whisper, <laughs> "Y'all ain't doing this right." <laughs> Then the struggle became quite evident. Oh, yeah. Quite evident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, and that affects your credibility, too. If you say you do all this stuff and then you charge them 55 cents, you know, people are like, you can't do it. Like, that's not reasonable, you know? Yeah. They they question your capabilities when you don't, when your value of your services don't align with the value that they're looking to get out of their services. Correct. So, we changed up. I'm sure you did. Oh, a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Undoubtedly. So what does a, what does a success that you learned from look like? What does that look like? The success? Oh, oh, it's a recent one. Really recently. Um, and maybe 10 years of providing great volunteer service and great access and great transparency added into this space. But um, successfully, we've been able to pitch our own services without the RFP process over the last couple of years. Nice. And so uh, explain what RFP is. Cause some of our audience may not know what that okay, stands for. The request for proposal process. Usually when no corporate organizations got to go and buy something really big, you know, I don't, whatever the minimum is, $25,000, $50,000, they have to go through a request for, pro, uh, for proposal. Um, and you get three quotes in a buy, right? So you, you put a whole big giant application out. People have to answer every word, every question. <laughs> it's 35,000 pages. Uh, you got to go to one or two meetings. And so that was time consuming. Proposals take time. Time is money, right? Yes. And, and and it's a process that is cutthroat. Very. So we wanted to get out of that. It's a very stressful process. Uh, but we've created things within our brand that allow us to network very comfortably. And we saw some issues recently, some problems in our community, some problems involving social justice and um, uh, disparities between COVID-19 treatments and resources for our community as well. So we've been able to pitch some great things and actually get a lot of doors open for us. So uh, most recently, we've we don't want to say we called up University Health, but we we really we reached out and networked and had a great conversation with University Health about whether Black people in San Antonio were getting the COVID-19 vaccine and. Simple question was asked, Christian, what does that look like to you? Mm. What does a solution look like? And so we were able to create something, a very beautiful campaign, a very informative campaign that will really illustrate the risk aversion that the COVID-19 vaccine will have for us and our people and our community. Mm. Um, and being able to do something like that, sitting back and thinking, wow. I didn't have to go through the three-month process and ragtag interviews. My goodness, tag your it in front of the board of some of these organizations. Oh, it's brutal, right? I didn't have to do that, and I was able to grab an amazing project. And I count that as a success because it, it, it definitely turned a corner. Right, and networking was key for that. Yeah. Networking so we've networked key. with that brand for seven years mm-hmm. they tapped us to open up their their hilliard center on the east side three years ago 
So we've got out of this out of the seven years we've been networking, we've got two very key projects and we get a couple questions here and there. But networking was definitely the reason why we got that. We were able to land that. Nice. Real nice. So one of the takeaways from that particular example for me is networking over the long term. Oh, yeah. Makes the difference. It's not something where you go to a after hour event, Please. shake their hand, give them a business card, say, hey, call me. Never been a vibe. <laughs> Never been a vibe on a nighttime networking. I network during the lunch. I network at lunch. I don't. I hate nighttime networking events because there's alcohol. There's too too much music. People have been through a whole day. No networking over time where you're supposed to network is what has always benefited equal public mm-hmm. relations. Well, that's good. And see, that's key for some of our audience because a lot of them don't know how to network or what's the benefits of it or when's the best time. It's like if you're a morning person, then breakfast networking may be the best thing for you. Oh, yeah. And if you're a lunchtime person, you just want to get away from the office, take a break, lunchtime. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for those people who love to socially unwind afterward, I've found through networking the evening is more cliquish. Yes. More alcohol driven. That's like you just said. hanging out. That ain't networking. Right. That is just finding new drinking buddies at different companies. <laughs> different locations. <laughs> different locations. <laughs> no, not good. You know, I've, I've been to my share of mixers, but I've never carried a network conversation over from a mixer to, say, the boardroom. Gotcha. It comes from attending galas, luncheons. It comes from participating in... Um, Cafe Commerce, well, no, Launch SA comes from going and attending events at Blue Star and really talking and engaging with people. And and especially in San Antonio, there's a need to become family. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask about folks' kids, don't go to the event. If you can't think to ask about the kids, I ain't got no kids. But I know to ask, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Exactly. And once you know them kids... Listen. Right. You got a check mark. You got an inroad <laughs> into that. Go. So for our audience, if you want to learn how to network, one of the skills is ask about the family. Yes. Be more interested in the person behind the job, the company that they work for, mm-hmm. so that you can have that connection that when they think of you and your company, they go, oh, well, yeah, you know, they were interested in Joanne and Peter and Paul and Pedro and everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let me give them a shot. Or let me be that gatekeeper to get them into whomever might be able to make that decision. The joy of being a middleman. That's what got me to love business. And it's just such a rush when you see two people that you push together, you know, and they become, they create something successful, you know. And you were instrumental. And you were instrumental. I mean, seriously. That's the best part of networking in my book is if I can't help, if I can't do it for you, I'm going to help you find it. Mm. I'm going to help you, you know, I can't speak. I'm going to give you at least three recommendations of people that can. Mm -hmm. I can't participate in that interview. I'm going to give you at least three people that can. We have Chris Hall from Pontum Financial here in the studio. Let's talk about business transitions. What is that exactly? Most of the business owners, whenever we meet them, they've worked for decades to build a business or a product or a service, and they never really gave too much thought to what the out is. Every business owner gets started that should be one of the primary things that they consider. They should have different outs planned at different intervals, but let's be realistic. We don't really do that, myself included. 
So whenever you start to think about business transition, it's going to be one of several things. It could be retirement. It could be just wanting to get out of the business and do something else. It could be transitioning to, to a family member or keeping it in the family. And those are some of the crucial conversations that you need to have with both family and yourself, frankly, to see what you want. Some business owners want to continue a legacy. They want that name to be carried on. So that really has an impact on sale of the business, unless it's to only family, which maybe your sons or daughters have a problem with that as well. They may not like the name. All these things run through a business owner's mind numerous times throughout the day, and most of them just never know what first step to take. Well, if we want information, how can we reach out to you? Our phone number is 210-625-4845. You can look at our websites, pontumfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com, or you can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Chris Hall is a partner with Pontum Financial and offers securities and investment products and services through Waddell and Reed Inc. WRI member FINRA slash SIPC. Pontum Financial is a separate entity from WRI. What does success look like to you? Oh, and that's my favorite question there. Oh, I love that question. I ask that to everyone that sits down with me. Mm-hmm. What does success look like? Success looks like building a legacy of connecting, always being a connector. I want, and, and Uche, I think, is my my depiction of success right now. When I met him, he was a electrical engineer. Yeah, Uche is an electrical engineer. He graduated from Trinity with a, a degree in electrical engineering. Totally different he, from PR work. He, exactly. Uh, and... He actually focused a lot on uh, solar cells and designing solar cells and all kinds of crazy, amazing things. I mean, a full scientist. And so when I guess he got with me, I kind of just started introducing him to communicating and connecting and things. So he is like one of my favorite definitions of success, what the success looks like, because he's a, he, he's going to he's building his own legacy of connecting. Obviously, because I'm thinking an engineer's mind totally is different from. Oh yeah, they problem solvers and right. they they taking things apart and Uche can take some. He can take a marketing plan apart <laughs> right now. Like he could look at an advertisement and completely say, "All right, look at the graphic design. Look at this. Look at how big the font is." And you know, he can really figure out the logistics of it with his engineering mind. But it 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 wasn't like a retooling had to be done. It was definitely we just had to show the representation of what I was ready to do as an entrepreneur and what he was able to do as an engineer. We're building this legacy of connecting. And I feel like that is our, that's going to be the thing that people remember us about. Undoubtedly. Wow. I wouldn't have never suspected he was an electrical engineer degree <laughs> because when I met Uche, he didn't bring that persona. I mean, Uche, at all. yeah, he's a model of being a model. man. <laughs> Because he's so good looking. Girl, but, I appreciate that. Nice job. I'm sorry, audience. I'm sorry. But, yeah, he, he's amazing. He's like a really, really smart guy. And when you talk to him about whether you're talking about, like, mechanics of photovoltaic cells, listen, he's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and then you talk about marketing and communication and the culture. Oh, it just goes all the way. He's got a full spectrum of things that he just 
knows about. That's awesome. That's amazing. So you two are a dynamic duo because you have been on the cover of the <laughs> San Antonio Business Journal as a, a power couple. Oh, that was fun. Okay. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa. For yeah, real, we for real. Too. <laughs> we, <laughs> we didn't expect that at all. Um and I and the folks at Business Journal have been so supportive. I think I rant on them on Twitter three times a season. And they're just like, Oh, Christian, you know. But Jimmy and um don't let me blank on my homeboy's name. Uh they told us when we were at the Hispanic Chamber Gala, whispered it to us. We were about to do like the tequila toast or something at the Hispanic Chamber Gala. They walk past and goes, We put y'all on the cover, it comes out on Tuesday. Bye. <laughs> And you were like, what? We were like, what? And it came out the same day we were shooting a Via commercial. So we got dropped off at the house while we were about to do this Via commercial. And it was the most amazing week of our lives. Like, it was beautiful. And that really transitioned us to a level of we are seen, we are heard, and how do we get more people on this? Mm -hmm. And it actually gave us it, it, it gave us the infrastructure for the idea for the other campaign we ran called In the Black. Um, to get more black businesses featured in, in San Antonio media on a positive note, not just in a list, but actually sharing the stories behind these owners. Um, and so, yeah, that was a blessing. I'm sure it was because I was just like, I know them. I know them. Yes, I do. And that's a Detroiter right there. They twat in the uh, house. People had that on their phones. Uh, what was this guy? Mike Johnson. He was actually on The Bachelorette. Before he was on The Bachelorette, he walked up to us. We were at a bar, and he had the picture on his phone. Mm. He was a complete stranger to us. Mm. Yeah. So we walked up to a Detroiter. Okay, with a picture of her on his wall. I said, hold on, brother. <laughs> he said, wait, wait, wait. I just came through in my office because he's a financial advisor. He came through my office, and I've, I've been walking around with it for two weeks. I was just, this is on my vision board. And I said, you got to be kidding me. It had really shined a light on just how many of us are out there that's just looking for some representation. Yes, agreed, agreed. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently, if anything at all? Oh, well, I don't want to go dark. I'll do it over twice. Would you? Everything? It's been some weird <laughs> growth, right? Yeah. And in the process of all of this, I actually, I've had some weird loss as well. So I lost my brother mm -hmm. a couple months after we had named him. No, maybe about seven months after we named him our chief um, design officer. And I would change just that one portion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would change just that one portion, but realistically, I would, I can't control that. So uh, I would do it all again, twice if I had to. Wow! From cars repossessed to us getting on the bus, which opened us up to creating relationships with Via Transit. From walking around downtown looking for clients as random black people, to created opportunities for us to partner with Central Downtown. To, you know, traveling to Nigeria and bringing back uh, different things that we can give our network and different ways that we can connect our network. I mean, all of it, there was a reason behind every failure. There was a lesson. There was an opportunity behind every success. And, and I think that it, I'm a, it is what it is type person. Or it is what it ain't, you know. But it is what it is. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. So any last little bit of advice for our audience? Yes, we have time. 
We have time for advice. Right. Just a little bit. Not a whole lot because we don't want to cram 15 years into like five minutes or three minutes. I'm always scared to give advice. Okay. Observations or potential guidance. Potential guidance. Find um, people that are smarter than you and charge them the value that they would charge themselves. Mm. Find opportunities to be a mentor. Um, without having to physically say you're a mentor, because I, I cringe every time I say it. Um, I've always enjoyed talking to smarter people than I am and really filling my time with engaging with people that can give me insight as to what it is that I'm doing. And a lot of times, those are younger people nowadays. It's scary, isn't it? It's so scary. It, it, I mean, they will read you for filth and then say thank you, <laughs> you know? And you're like, okay, so I'm not necessarily out of line or maybe I'm a little just out of tune or maybe I like that kind of complaint and I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do, you know? Most recently I got called a bully. What? Oh, yeah. I said, I like that, though. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to stay with that one. Okay. I'm not going to really bully nobody. I'm not going to train, you know, become, I'm not going to change a thing. I'm not going to become no meaner or more shorter. But I like that you know that I'm not going to allow, and that's where the blank is. Right. You know, I'm not going to allow it. Mm-hmm. I, I, nope. Not at all. Mm-mm. Not at all. Wow. Well, we thank you so much, Christian, for being on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle. I love that title. A small <laughs> business because we know it's been a hustle, juggle, and struggle for you. Anybody who's been in business more than a year has had to hustle, juggle, and struggle. And we just appreciate your insights, your point of view. We just love it. Thank you so much. Once again, this is Thalia Williams, hostess of the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business. We will chat with you again soon. Thank you. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio. David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc., The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons CPA Inc. employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons CPA Inc. or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.